Troy Hunt is an Australian security expert who runs the data breach notification site Have I Been Pwned. He recently testified before Congress about data breaches and why we're seeing more and more sensitive data leak out. I caught up with Troy to find out what he told lawmakers. Thank you for joining us, Troy. Yeah, no worries, mate. You testified last week before the House Committee on Energy and Commerce on data breaches and discussed some of the broad issues in play as to why we're seeing more and increasingly sensitive data breaches. Do you think that politicians are increasingly grasping the breadth of the problem? So I think this... It, it, it's almost like they are seeing so much constant noise about this in the press and inevitably from their constituents that they're acknowledging that, that yes, this is something that we need to have a discussion about. So m- my feeling is that it's it's just generally gotten enough airtime across society that, that everyone, whether you're a you know, non-tech mum and dad at home or whether you're a, a politician in Congress, uh, is now just much more aware of the issue. Mm-hmm. And then there's a couple of breaches that come to mind that were particularly large in the U.S., uh, the Office of Personnel Management, and then, of course, this year, Equifax, and then even within the last few weeks here, Uber. And in your written testimony, you discussed whether we've kind of reached that sort of watershed moment that kind of acts like a catalyst for change. Do you think we've reached that yet, and why or why not? Yeah, um, no, <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't reached that yet. And uh, yeah, the, the sort of the point I was making in my in both my written and my uh, oral testimonies is that we keep saying after really serious incidents, we go, oh, you know, like this, this was pretty bad. Maybe now everyone will start to take it seriously. And it's big news for a little while and then it kind of dies down and we move on to other things. And then we have another breach and we go, oh, maybe this is the and it just goes around, around, around. So, yeah, I remember very clearly that the number of calls for, uh, yeah, watershed moment style uh, uh, claims, I guess, after Ashley Madison. And that was uh, that was July 2015. They were hacked. So, you know, here we are more than two years on and now we're talking about Uber and and whatever else. And we'll be back here in February or March or something like that. And we'll be having the same discussion again. So I guess we kind of come to the point where it's like, well, what's the solution for this? Um, You know, one aspect is do companies have an incentive yet to increase their security? And it kind of seems to me, at least, that there isn't a lot of uh, repercussions, at least from customers, when companies lose their data. It seems like people are temporarily mad and they kind of move on, but there's not a real sort of backlash yet. Yeah, it's, it, it's a difficult thing where there are, there are multiple different ways that we need to tackle this, and it includes tackling... The, the education side of it, because let's be clear about it, most of the time, this is people making bad mistakes. You know, this is developers and system admins misconfiguring things or writing bad code. So we've got to tackle that. That's an education piece. We've also got to tackle the whole piece around the way companies are held accountable. Uh, and it was interesting, you know, I, I, uh, I wrote this blog post uh, a week before going to uh, uh, the US and I said, look, I'm going to go to, to the US, I'm going to testify. Here are the things I'm planning on talking about. And one of the things that I consistently heard from people is I said, look, you've really got to drill them on accountability. You know, you've got to say organizations aren't held to high enough account when something goes wrong. So I ended up uh, really fleshing that section out. Uh, and, and people are very right in, in that what they're saying is that when we see a lot of these incidents, there's just there's just not enough, I, I don't know, like retribution <laughs> for want of a better yeah. term towards the company. 
So when an organization sits down and and says, okay, look, you know, there's this, there's the cyber stuff, we've got to figure out where to invest our budgets, how much money should we put into securing things, or how seriously should we take it? At the moment, evidently, that's just not getting enough attention. And we really need to try and provide incentive for organizations to do the right thing. And, and inevitably, part of that incentive might be, well, if you don't do the right thing, it's going to cost you a lot of money. And this is what people are very excited about GDPR with as well. Yeah, exactly. I was going to bring that up. And so that's as good a, uh, basically, you could get a fine sort of based on your revenue. So the larger company you are, obviously, the more of a bite it could have. And so do you think that sort of sort of punitive action is going to be that incentive of like, look, it's cheaper for us to do this, which would be the right thing, versus having to break breach facing a fine, dealing with customer backlash and doing forensic investigations and all the other things involved in a breach? Yeah, and look, I guess these things are sort of interrelated, but if we take an example and, and we look at uh, look at an organization like TalkTalk Talk in the UK, you know, they got hacked in, uh, I think it was late 2015 from memory, and it was, a, it was a very serious incident. And ultimately, they ended up paying a fine, which from memory was about £400,000, which worked out at something like 0.02% of their annual revenue. Uh, and I know I referenced it in a course I wrote and said, look, this is like if you earn $100,000 a year, getting a fine, which is effectively the cost of your lunch. You know, like right. you, you just wouldn't even think about that. Now, GDPR provides provisions for a fine of up to 4% of annual growth revenue. And and you suddenly start to say, well, hang on a second. Like if you earn hundred grand a year and you get stung with a $4,000 fine, well, now that stings, right? Like now you're going to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And in the case of TalkTalk, Talk, that would have been more like 72 million pounds or something in that order, as opposed to 400,000. And and really what we're trying to do here is, and, and to be clear as well, it's not that every organization gets fined 4%. It's like, this is the ceiling depending on how badly you screw this stuff up. And the, the objective is to really try and get organizations to change that ROI where they say, actually, it makes a lot more sense to invest more money in our security posture because the ramifications of not doing so can be so dire. Part of sort of looking forward is the, the, the problem that everyone's data, a lot of fixed data has leaked and that is very recyclable for identity theft schemes. So do you know what model organizations should be moving to for authenticating their customers in the future in a way that doesn't allow other people to replay their personal details? Well, to, to clarify your point, what we're saying is that static knowledge-based authentication attributes are the problem. Uh, and I gave the example uh, in, in Washington last week where I said, look, uh, I, I was helping my dad set up his broadband recently and he calls up the, the telco and they say, uh, we've got to make sure that you are who you say you are. What's your date of birth? And, and as I pointed out, that was precisely the data attribute that I had exposed in the Red Cross blood service breach uh, mm -hmm. only just uh, last year. So this is the problem is the static nature of, of uh, knowledge-based authentication attributes. So in, in terms of how we're going to do this differently, the, the answer that I gave in Congress was that I believe it will be an augmentation of different things where we say, look, there are multiple different ways of verifying, of verifying identity. And they include things like, uh, they include options that we didn't have 20 years ago. So they include things like the ability to receive an SMS. Uh, you know, can we, can we send this person an SMS at their registered uh, mobile number? Can we, can, uh, can we send them an email? Can they receive that? 
And then we go all the way through to things at, at the sort of more expensive end of the scale of, of uh, items like hardware tokens. Mm-hmm. You know, do, does the person need to have a YubiKey, for example? And there won't be one solution that fits everyone. It will depend on the level of authenticity and, and confidence we need in the individual. Uh, and that, of course, will be driven by how important is it to be really confident that they are who they say they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking out a loan is at one end of the scale. Uh, verifying yourself before jumping online and commenting on cat videos is another. Yes. Uh, and and what we might find is, is that it's an augmentation of multiple things at different tiers. So we might say, look, at the higher end of the scale, we want a combination of physical token uh, and then verification of, of, say, email address and SMS. So there's two different channels. Yeah. Uh, so if you're worried about something like SIM hijacking, well, yeah, that could happen. But then you also have to control the person's email address and you have to have a physical token. Yeah. You also talked a lot about uh, education and that uh, the fact that a lot of developers are simply making mistake, you know, one tick and, you know, you could have an open S3 bucket, for example. What percentage of data breaches do you reckon could be avoided by the proper setup of services rather than sort of wild card factors like zero day vulnerabilities uh, in an application? I would say of the data that I see, and, and there's obviously a careful caveat there, but that they're going to be the instance I'm most familiar with. So if you look at Have I Been Pwned, for example, and, and sort of run your eye down them, I would say it'd have to be 80% plus, surely, that are as a result of, of simple human error. And these can be everything from there's a lot of vBulletin data breaches in there, uh, which were due to various SQL injection vulnerabilities in the platform, and then people didn't patch their things as well. So there's sort of two different issues. There's mm-hmm. a developer competency and there's a, there's a maintenance of your, your services. Uh, and, and incidentally, both of those have been in, in resources like the OWASP top 10 as well. So SQL injection has been number one for a long time and failure to update components with known vulnerabilities yes. is, is a big one too. So these are very, very well-known things. Now, there's a bunch in there these days due to things like uh, open MongoDBs and publicly facing network segments with no authentication and database backups published to publicly facing file systems. And these are just just fundamentally bad, uh, let's be honest, stupid mistakes. You know? and, and it's hard not to argue that if the people that made these mistakes had more education and more exposure to the risks that these sorts of activities expose them to, it'd be a different story. And to be clear as well, it, it's not necessary that, look, you know, we, we fix SQL injection, for example, and everything goes away. A lot of these incidents are, are demonstrating a lack of defense in depth where if we take the MongoDB situation, mm-hmm. all right, they didn't have a password. If they had had a password, they would have been okay. Uh, also, if they didn't have it in a publicly facing network segment, they would have been okay. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, you know, what we're sort of seeing here is that there have been multiple mistakes which have led to the ultimate disclosure of data. Uh, and again, all of these mistakes are very largely due to just doing the wrong thing due to lack of education. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, Troy, thank you for joining us and sharing your insights. No worries. My pleasure, mate. I've been speaking with Australian data breach expert Troy Hunt about his recent testimony to Congress. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk.